morning, beautiful ones of the Lord. You know, I want to know that uh, we're thinking about you. We're praying for you all the time. You know, when I look out on the audience, I can actually see people standing there. And if I start in, you know, in, in Mournville, I can look to the right and I can see the Flemings, Lord, and I can see the Barretts and the Lamontanes. And if I look to the middle, I can see the Sampoñas and the Ionides. And if I look to the left, I can see Mrs. Agri and the Shens. And, uh, you know, if I go away to the back, I can see the Thompsons and I can see uh, John and Esther Booker and I can see uh, Dennis Blackler. I can see you, Dennis. And then, you know, of course, all the clans that are in Mournville. We have many clans, the Fisher clan, the McDonald clan, the Burry clan and the mightiest of all the clans, the Fraser clan. But you know, I can also see you in Rochester, Ed and Miriam Mercer, we see you, we see you, Lisa McCullough, and we look to Bonacord, we see Janet and Lloyd and Sherry and, and the Vespies and the Navares, and I want you to know, church family, uh, you are in our hearts. You are in our hearts, and we are thinking about you all the time, praying for you, and for all of you that are watching from all over the, really, we're starting to see people from all over Canada starting to watch, and the United States are watching online together. We're with you. We love you. God is for you in this hour. It's great to be here. That was just a really quick introduction of letting you know that we're thinking about you. We're isolated, but we're not alone, are we? And the truth is, we're never really ever alone, because, you know, God is with us. And if God is with us, we can't possibly be alone. And a matter of fact, I think we're more clearly connected. And God is offering us a way to be more clearly connected to him than we can even possibly imagine. And that's really what I want to start talking about today. You know, when I was reflecting on the life of Jesus and thinking about his incredible teaching ministry, his passionate preaching, his love for the, the marginalized and the outcasts, you know, I was thinking about his astonishing miracles, you know, and Jesus did all these things while he was a man. Though he was God, he laid that aside lived as a man in order to be an example to you and I about what life would look like with a man who was living in union with God, in community with God, and uh, he demonstrated this incredible life. Now, what was interesting to me as I was thinking about that and thinking about the disciples, when they looked at Jesus's life, when they saw these miracles, when they heard this incredible teaching, when they saw this passionate preaching, when they saw him love the unlovely, you know, they didn't ask him and say, Jesus, can you teach us to do those things? They actually asked him something else because they reflected on it and they figured out some truth. And this is the truth that the disciples really arrived at. They asked Jesus this thing, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, you can read it also in Matthew chapter 6. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, Lord. You know, so Jesus responded to that prayer and he taught them this thing called the Lord's Prayer, which of course we all know. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, right? Keep us from the evil one. Keep us from being led into temptation. These incredible words that Jesus gave, 57 words, as a matter of fact, in the original Greek language. And we think to ourselves, you know, I, that prayer is really a kid's prayer. It's just a little childish prayer. Maybe it took me 30 seconds to kind of recite that by memory. You know, I travel a lot and I do a lot of funerals and I do a lot of weddings. And, you know, when I say the Lord's Prayer, it's amazing how people re recollect and bring that prayer back up, even if they're not churchgoers. They know this prayer. 
But I want you to tell you something. This prayer is not just a little childish prayer. It's actually a master blueprint to prayer. And uh, I, I want you to understand, we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer over the next several weeks, probably three or four, we're not sure yet. But um, I wanted to take this time to teach us to pray, and we're not going to learn from me, we're going to learn from the Master. This is kind of the Master's Master class on prayer. And uh, this is something that every single human being can do. You know, when we think about the, the Lord's Prayer, you know, kind of one of the central themes in the prayer is on earth as it is in heaven. And really what we're doing is we're pulling the reality of earth or of heaven down to earth. And that's what you're praying for when you are in the Lord's Prayer. Think about it. It's kind of this incredible understanding. And when we look at the Lord's Prayer, this is really God's heart and understanding and mind for humanity. And this is what he's offering us. You know, he, we, we cry out at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer and we say, God, reveal your name. Reveal your name to us. You know, we need to know the name of God. So much of the, how we live our life is, is filtered through the, our concept of God. You and I need to know God's name. We say, let your kingdom of joy and peace and righteousness come and, and, and on, on earth as it already is in heaven. And we're praying, God, let your good will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. Your good and loving purposes fulfilled for us, Lord God. We, we cry out in this prayer. We say, God, meet our physical needs. Let the bread of heaven come down and, and meet our physical needs. You know, this prayer also touches on your relational needs, church. It touches on your relational needs. Oh, God, forgive me of all the things I do wrong and then help me to forgive others. You know, it touches on your spiritual needs. You are crying out to know God, to see God more clearly. And you're also crying out and saying, God, keep us safe from the evil one and from evil in this world. This prayer is incredible. It covers all the needs of humanity, the past, the present, the future. Name any need, any concern, any longing, it's covered by Jesus' prayer. Nothing is left out. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too small. This is an incredible prayer. And if we will enter into this master class with Jesus, we will learn to start praying this prayer. And the only way to actually encounter or to engage this prayer is to actually start praying. And I'm going to tell you something, you know, we may think it's a little kid's prayer, but when we put on this prayer cloak, we put on these clothes and start to pray, we're going to find that it's an ill-fitting garment. It's going to feel a big, bit big and a bit floppy on us. We're going to be like, oh, this doesn't really fit that well. But I'm going to tell you, as you start to pray, as you start to let Jesus teach you and the Holy Spirit instruct you, you're going to find that that garment is going to begin to fit beautifully into your life. You know, it's for such a time as this, as we look at what's happening in our world today, that Jesus is coming and the Holy Spirit is coming and longing to teach us to trust in him, to rest in him, to learn to rejoice in him and to yield our lives to him. This is what we're going to be talking about as we talk about the Lord's Prayer. Well, let me pray so that we can get started today. Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this master prayer that you have given us to teach us how to connect to you, commune with you, teach us how to live life and really to bring you into every part of our life. I pray today, God, that by your Holy Spirit, you will teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, Lord.
and help us to exercise these prayers and these thoughts as we go forward. Give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, we're gonna look at the very first petition. As I said last week, if you were watching, there are six petitions in the Lord's Prayer, and we're only gonna look at the first one today. And really, it's a very critical one, and this is what it is. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name on earth as it is in heaven. Now you say, why did you add that on earth as it is in heaven? Because in the original language, that little, that little uh, extra tag on is actually on the first three petitions. That's how it's written in the original language. So let me say that again. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name on earth as it is in heaven. Well, what does this start off? What are we doing when we enter into the Lord's Prayer? You know, the first thing is that we find out uh, that it says our Father, which is about the word intimacy. Intimacy. This is the first thing we discover as we enter into the master class on prayer with Jesus. You see, the central revelation of the New Testament is the Father heart of God. God is called Father. You know, over 250 times in the New Testament, about 270 uh, times in the New Testament, God is called Father. Jesus himself, it was his favorite title for God. He himself used it over 150 times, and or sorry, close to 170 times, actually. And, uh, you know, th this word is just so incredible. It has such meaning and purpose. You know, the Old Testament, which is almost three times the size of the, of the New, only has like 10 references to God being called a Father. So this is the central thing that's being revealed as we study the New Testament and, and, and enter into this school of prayer with Jesus. He invites us into a place of intimacy with God. The word in the original language is very interesting, and we'll get there in a moment. But what does the word Father conjure up in your mind as you think about it? You know, one of the things about God is that really he is a mystery to many people. And our concepts of God, as I said earlier, really frame a lot of our life. And when you think of Father, even for some of you, that's not a positive thought. You know, for many of you, I hope it is. But for some, it isn't. But Jesus comes to kind of clear the air. He comes to take away the mystery of God. He comes to reveal who God is. And he starts up with this concept of Father. This is the first petition. We're praying to God and we're asking him to reveal himself. Reveal yourself to us, Father. Because, you know, I am going to tell you, many of us have a distorted perception of God. And that goes way back to the beginning of time. You know, our self-centeredness warps our understanding of who God is. And Jesus had to come and clear the air as to who God was. So he spent, you know, three years doing ministry. He had all his disciples around him. You think about this. He's teaching them about the Father, the Father, the Father. And at the very end, just before he goes to the cross, uh, you know, Philip says to him, Lord, it's, it's enough if you just show us the Father. And Jesus kind of has this incredible moment of pause. And he's like, seriously, Philip? I have been with you for three years. Don't you know that if you've seen me, you have seen the Father? You know, and so that Jesus is giving us an understanding of who the Father is. The Father really is a revelation uh, and seen through Jesus' life. Now, the, the Greek word for the word Father is the word pater. And all throughout the New Testament, that's the word that's used, pater. It's kind of a, it's kind of a word that uh, is very um, formal. You know, it's like, like, Father, Father, pass the bacon, Father, 
You know, it's not really intimate. But there are three times in the New Testament when the word changes and the word is Abba, which means daddy, papa. And so we see these place of intimacy and we see this place of formality. And why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because do you understand that intimacy, church, we are meant to grow in intimacy with God. That's the intent is that, you know, we start off and we say father and it's kind of formal. And yet God is wanting and longing for us to grow so that he becomes dad, papa, abba is the word. You know, only two people in the entire New Testament use the word Abba, and one was Jesus, which makes sense, and the other was the Apostle Paul, which we'll look at in just a moment. But, you know, Jesus used the word Abba, this word, this intimate word with God, right in this most stressful moment of his life. In Mark chapter 14, you know, he's crying out and he says, Jesus said, Abba, Father, all things are possible. Take this cup for me. You know, the weight of the world, the sins of the world, the most stressful moment in his life, just before going to the cross, he cries out in intimacy, in desperation for God. You know, I think we need to understand that. In our times of stress and strain, God wants us to have such an intimate relationship with him, church, so that we can call out to Abba, our father, our dad, you know, the Apostle Paul is the second one who used the word Abba. And he came to a place of intimacy, but I'm going to tell you, he didn't start in a place of intimacy. The Apostle Paul is kind of one of these guys that, you know, if you could pick a person that needed to know and have a fresh revelation of God, it would be the Apostle Paul. I mean, Acts chapter 9 tells us about the Apostle Paul. He's this guy that is uh, persecuting the believers of God. He is literally going around, putting them in prison and casting their vote to put them to death. He is responsible for the death of believers. Do you know that today, in today's day and age, ISIS terrorists are going around and, and, and capturing believers and executing them? Do you know that Paul was like the ISIS terrorist of his day? He hated God's people. He wanted to kill them and destroy them. So he's going along and he's actually going to a place called Damascus and he's going there to capture some more of these, these rebel followers of Jesus and all of a sudden he has a vision of God, a revelation of God. Literally a bright light shines around him, knocks him off his donkey and blinds him and he asks this question he, and the, Jesus asks a question of him actually in the vision. It says, Paul, Paul or Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Paul says, or, says something very interesting. He says, who are you, Lord? See, he didn't know God. Here he thought he was representing God. Here he thought God was just like him, but he meets God on the road and he doesn't have a clue who he is. He is blind. And literally he's blinded by this encounter. For three days he lived in blindness and he fasted and prayed. And another believer came and prayed for him and the scales fell off his eyes and he could see again. He restored, God restored his physical sight but then he also restored his spiritual sight and he began to see God more clearly. And if you look at the Apostle Paul's life and he uses the word Abba twice in, in his, his text that, and those, that word speaks to you and I because he's speaking to the church and he's saying God wants you to be intimately close to him. The Father wants to reveal himself to you, church. Listen to a couple of these scriptures that Paul says, this is in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. 
It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. In Galatians 4, 6, again, from the Message Bible, we've been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives, crying out, Papa, Father. Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave, but a son? Hallelujah. We're children of God. We're invited to grow in this relationship with God. And prayer is that place where we start when we say our Father. We're talking about growing in intimacy with God Almighty. But also the word our is very interesting because it talks about community. So prayer not only starts with this understanding of intimacy with God, but it also starts with community. That's the word our. You know, you are part of something bigger, church. When you pray, you're always connected to this community of faith. You know, Ephesians 2 says, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens with God's holy people. You are members of God's family. You know, we, we introduced a few members of the family in Bon Accord today and in Rochester today and in Mournville today, but that's not it. The family of God goes far beyond that. You know, there are people watching in Newfoundland right now. There are people watching in the United States. There are people watching in Europe right now that are contacting us. God is moving all over. The family of God is not only bound, you know, in this one location. It can be anywhere and throughout all time. You are connected to this family, church. You are part of this. You have a father and you have a family. That's just the first two words of this prayer. Our father. What an incredible thing. But where is God if we're praying? Where is God? You know, the third thing that this prayer teaches us is that we have access to God. It says, who art in heaven? Now, when I say those words, what do you think about? You know, for most of my life, I grew up thinking heaven was always up there, you know, always up in the sky, way, way off, you know, and for me, prayer became this like distant, like crying out to heaven that seems so far away, how could God possibly hear? But I want you to understand that for the, the Israelites, the Jews of the time when Jesus is speaking this prayer, their understanding of heaven is completely different. Heaven is literally this. It's the atmosphere in which you live. <laughs> it's right here. That's literally what he's praying Heaven's location is the atmosphere in which we are living right now. Jesus is praying, Father in the heavens, Father all around us, Father close at hand. This is what he's saying. Do you understand that, you know, we, 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 we come to know God and we, we come into this place. And, and for most of us, when you look at relationships, there's kind of this ethereal understanding of God for most people. God is distant. God is far off. I can't know him. Suddenly he comes close in Jesus and we move into an interpersonal relationship. We see what God looks like because we see him in Jesus. But do you know that God even wants to go closer with us? The greatest, most incredible thing about your life and my life is that we have an inner personal relationship with God. When we invite God into our life, he comes by the power of his Holy Spirit and he dwells within us. And so you are, in, you are being engaged with God in a relationship that is unfathomable. 
That is the depth of relationship that we are being invited into. So when we say, our Father who art in heaven, we're saying, God, you're all around us. God, you're in my situation. God, you're in this moment. What a beautiful, incredible thing to understand that during the greatest crises of your life, God is right there with you. Hallelujah. That changes the way I pray. I don't have to look up. I just have to say, here you are, God. I address you, my God and my Father. It's beautiful. Heaven's location is very close. But this is also speaking for the the Jewish audience that was listening to Jesus, and you need to understand this as well. Not only about heaven's proximity, but this is about heaven's power. Heaven's power. You know, whenever we say heaven, and whenever they said Previn, the the clause in heaven, Jews would understand that to mean, and it would conjure up for, for them the idea of the throne room of God. In heaven means on the throne. And if it's not so, listen to me now. If this is not so, then why pray? (laughs) If God is not on the throne, if God is not in charge in these moments, if we can't cry out to a higher power, then why spend time in prayer? So not only intimacy, not only access, but proximity and power. God is close, church. He's right here in this moment, and he's looking for us to pray. But there is something else in this prayer, and and I just learned this in the last few years, and this blows my mind. Even in the words, our Father, do you know that there is vocation and mission and purpose for us as believers? You say, what are you talking about? Our purpose is actually being stated when we cry out to God and say, our Father. What does that mean? You know, there's a, there's a teaching or an understanding that there's a thing in the Bible, it's not in the Bible, but there's a teaching that, you know, people and theologians will say, it's called the principle of the firsts. And so when you see a truth related in the Bible and, and uh, that carries on throughout the Bible, the first time you see it, there's a principle there that you need to apply for every other time that you see it. Does that make sense? Let me give you an example. The first time that God is called Father in the Bible is found in Exodus chapter 4. And let me give you the setting. God is speaking to a guy named Moses, and he's saying, you know, my people are in slavery. They're in bondage in Egypt. They've been enslaved there for 400 years. I want you to go, and I want you to set them free. Now, let me read what God says to Moses. The Lord said to Moses, Exodus 4, 21. When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. I will harden his heart and he will not let my people go. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go that he may worship me. You know, that's the first time that God is referred to as a father. And there's a principle of the first, and the principle of the first is this. God the Father is a deliverer. He is a deliverer. He has come to set captives free. And we see this in Jesus, don't we? Jesus came as the ultimate deliverer. He came to set captives free. That's what Jesus came. Why? Because he came in the mandate and the mission of the Father. Jesus Christ himself said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so we have this principle, this mission, this purpose. Do you know that you and I are the captives that God wants to set free? He has come to deliver us. You see, the slaves are really sons and daughters. 
That is the heart of God. That is the heart of this prayer. When we say our Father, we are saying, God, you're our deliverer. You are our mighty arm of strength. You're the one who's come to set us free, God. And you know, in our day and age today, we're not in bondage in a literal place called Egypt, but we're in bondage to a thing called sin and selfishness and self-centeredness. And what that place is a place of darkness and at times a place of fear. And literally the father has sent his son as the deliverer to your life and to my life to set us free. Hallelujah. What a beautiful prayer that I can cry out to God in these moments and know that I am called to be a free person. I am called to live in the liberty and the joy and the peace and the power and the purpose of God. Now, if that stopped there, that would be pretty cool. That would be pretty amazing when I say our father, but it's actually greater than that because do you know that actually what you're doing when you're saying our father, you are actually becoming a co-revolutionary with the son of God because you represent now God on this earth as his deliverer sent into this world. That's what you're saying when you're saying our father. You are standing with God and saying, God, not only have I been set free, but you have set me free to help others to find freedom in you as well. (laughs) Wow, we've entered the deliverance ministry with God. And you say, how do we do that, Pastor Greg? I'm going to tell you the greatest way in which you enter into the, the deliverance ministry with God is through prayer. Prayer. You have power, church. You have power to pray right now in this hour. Hallelujah. You pray prayers of deliverance and power and authority right now releasing into the heavenly realms. You know, the Bible is replete with God crying out for people to walk with him, to stand with him. In Ezekiel 22:30, he says, is anybody going to stand in the gap? Is anybody going to stand in the gap with me? Is there any that will stand? And of course, you know, the prophecies all throughout the Bible, Jesus says, I'll stand, I'll go, send me, God. And now God is saying to us, will you be the sons and daughters of God? And will you act in a way that delivers this world and delivers people in this hour? Oh, hallelujah. You know, Revelation chapter 5 Right before the great tribulation that is listed in the book of Revelation, there's a picture of the 24 elders and they all have these golden bowls. And in these golden bowls, we find out as we're reading the book of Revelation in chapter five, they're filled with incense. And then it says this, the incense is the prayer of the saints. My friend, my friend Pastor Ed Allen in Leduc, Alberta, had a vision just last week of that very scripture. He was walking his dogs and suddenly the Holy Spirit arrested him and he saw this picture of these, these elders standing around the throne of God holding bowls and he, and he saw himself looking into the bowls and you know, some of the bowls were empty and some of the bowls just had a little bit of liquid in them, incense to the Lord and then some of them were half full or three quarters full and then he said he saw some of the bowls that were overflowing. There was so much prayer going on that they began to overflow. And you know what God said? Pour it out. And the answers from heaven were being poured out onto earth. Hallelujah. This is your power. This is your prayer. And so, you know, it leaves us with a question and it's not to condemn us, but it's to give us authority and power in this moment to understand, church, what is in your golden bowl? 
Well, I'm busy. I'm doing a lot of work. I'm doing a lot of... Listen, God has given you a pause right now, church. He's giving the world a pause. He's giving the world a Sabbath. He's saying, church, rest. World, rest. Earth, breathe. You need to come back to the God of your creation. And you have power right now, church. You have power to fill that golden bowl with the prayers and to cry out with your father and to declare and to speak over this moment in history and to say, devil, you will not have your way. You can come and you can say, our father, oh God, set us free in this moment. Set us free to live a life worshiping you. Don't let us be slave enslaved by fear. God, right now we stand against this coronavirus. We speak against it, Lord God, because we are sent as deliverers and we cry out to you, living God. Come, set us free, oh God. Deliver this world from this pestilence and from fear. And let them know that you are good in this hour. God is longing for the church to pray. You see, why doesn't God just fix it? You know what? Because he's actually enslaved himself into your prayers. What? Yeah. God has turned over earth to mankind to manage. And so you manage by turning it back to him. And when we're not crying out to him, things begin to occur. And he's calling us to pray, church. This is your vocation. Hallelujah. You're a co-revolutionary. Get on your knees. Hallelujah. You can do it. The prayer goes on and says, hallowed be your name. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven. You know, we're actually praying not that we would hallowed his name, but we're actually asking him to hallow his name. We're asking him to reveal his name. This is a petition. God, reveal your name. God, show yourself strong. God, show us who you are in this hour. Show us who you are in my life. Show us who you are in my family, in this nation, in our world right now, God. You know, the names of God are so powerful. And we talked just about Father today, but do you know that the names of God are all throughout the Bible? And every time you see a name of God, it's actually a revelation of who he is. You know, one of the things that we've done is we've got the names and the titles of God. We've actually put this on our website, and you can print this off. It's got all the, not all, but many of the names and titles of God. And why is that important? Because when I pray, I'm going to tell you what I do. I've got this, this, these sheets. I've actually got them in my Bible. I'll show you. I've got them printed and put right in my Bible. See that? Very good. Oh, by the way, my Bible says in the front of it, sin will keep you from this book or this book will keep you from sin. Just a thought. <laughs> There's names of God, church. And so you know what I'll do? I don't know how to start praying. I'm your, I'm your pastor and there's times I don't feel like praying. I'm freaking out too and the different things and I need to settle my heart. And so I look at the list and I start to find a name that helps me to worship. It helps me to start in prayer. You know, I think about some of the names of God. I mean, here's a good one right now. Uh, the stronghold and ever-present help in times of trouble, Psalm 9:9 and 46.1. Isn't that a good name to start praying with? God, your name is a stronghold and ever-present help in the time of trouble. So what do you do, Greg? 
I, I say, God, thank you that you are a stronghold and a help and an ever-present help in my times of trouble, God. Thank you. Reveal your name in this moment, God. Reveal your name in this world, God. Reveal your name to me and my family. God, you're our stronghold. You're our pr protection. You're our defender, God. You know, you can find another name. You know, here's a great one, Deuteronomy 7:21. You are the great and awesome God. There's a good prayer point. You can start right there. God, you are great and you are awesome. God, you're the creator and the sustainer of all life, God. God, you created the universe. You created the heavens and the earth. You created the stars, God. Your word says that you count them all. Not one of them is missing. You know where all of them are. You call them all by name. And not only do you number the stars, God, but you number the hairs on my head, your word says. You are great and awesome, God. That's a good way to start praying, church. You say, well, Pastor Greg, you're kind of been doing, I've been doing this for a long time. I know, but I'm telling you, this is what I do. This is what Jesus taught me to do. This is what he's teaching you to do. Download those names, get those names, start, start starting your prayer life. You know, this week you have one job. Your one job this week is to just do the first petition. <laughs> That's it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven. You know, you may be saying, I don't know this God yet. And I'm, I'd love to be a part of the family. And I'd love to know him as a father. And I'd love to get to know him even more deeply. You know, one of the names of God is God, my savior. And you know, you can pray right now with me. If you're here today, and you're saying, I want to get in on this, man. I want to be, I want to have a father and I want to get to know him and I want to be saved for myself and from the things that are going on around me so I can learn to trust him and yield to him. It's very simple. The Bible says Jesus is as close as the mention of his name and that if you will call upon the Lord that you will be saved. I'm going to pray a very simple prayer and I invite you to follow if you want to join the family of faith so that this prayer takes on even more meaning for you. Say these words with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to be God my Savior. I want to invite him into my life. I want, you to, ask, I want to ask you to forgive my sins, and I want to become part of the family of God. Help me to grow in intimacy with you, Father. Help me to know you, to love you, and help me to learn how to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. Let us know today if you did. Church, I wanna challenge you. Get to know the names of God this week. You're gonna spend some time just spending on that first petition, learning how to hallow the name and praise God and trust him in this hour. You can go online and let us know if you've made a commitment to Christ. Our website will help you, www.tfhchurch.ca. Just follow the links. I've made a commitment to Christ. You can get there, watch and view. You can find all these things. Search around. You've got a little bit of time to do that. Let us know if we can pray for you. I'm gonna close this today in a little different way. I'm just gonna actually pray everything I just preached in a closing prayer. God bless you, your love, church. We're thinking about you. We'll be here again next week, and there's lots of stuff throughout the week that you can connect. But let me pray this prayer in closing.
My Father, who art in heaven, I, Father, I thank you that you have brought me into your family. I thank you that you have chosen me and adopted me. Though I was broken and lost and without a spiritual family, you have brought me close, Lord. You've chosen me and called me to be your child. I thank you that when I pray, you are right here, right now. You are right in my circumstance, right in my thoughts. You are my ever-present reality. You are as close as the air I breathe. I do not call out into empty air, Lord God, but I call out to one who knows my every moment, my every thought, and sees every challenge that I face and has power to change those things. I thank you that your power comes to meet me in my need. You sit enthroned above heaven and earth and above my circumstance. You are God enthroned above the chaos and disorder of my world and this world. Thank you, God. And thank you, Father, that you invited me to partner with you in order to bring your kingdom and your presence and your love and your grace and your power into this world. I thought I was an orphan alone, but I find out that I'm a son and you've called me to enter the family business of seeing the life of God invade this world for this moment. I thank you, God, that though I feel confused and unworthy at times, you've called me to look past those things and to see myself the way that you see me, Lord God. A son who is an overcomer, one called to bring hope and restoration and grace and love into a broken and a lost world. What's next, Papa? What do you have for me to do this day? How can I join you in your great kingdom work? Amen and amen.